Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. Good morning, good morning. Thanks for showing up this morning. Don't know if you, you knew that Joel was going to need to fill in for the new members class, but if you did and you showed up anyway, thank you. Thank you. But I always enjoy get to get to come help teach in this class. You got your Bibles. Let's turn to John chapter 1 this morning. John chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 43. We'll instead of reading the full passage and then starting, we'll we'll sort of pick it apart as we go along help with some of the time here. But we're continuing in the church-wide series that we've been um, going through in the adult Sunday school classes um, called Consider Christ. And this series is really in, in support and alignment of the church theme, looking unto Jesus. So this is um, really we're just trying to have a concerted effort as a church family to, to consider Christ in a more meaningful and insightful way this, for the year. And so for several weeks, we're hitting different aspects or things that we want to consider about Christ that, that would help us do that. So, um, and so this morning, we're going to hit the third lesson in the series. I've been teaching this in the auditorium. started last week, but you guys are a week ahead of them because I won't even go, I won't even go there. It's my own fault. But, um, but we're on lesson three this morning, which is consider his omniscience consider his omniscience and so far you've had an introductory lesson into into Christ and then I think last week you considered his presence so this morning with the third topic um, consider his omniscience and this is one of those really heavy words that we're going to try to get into a little bit this morning and use some scripture to to help get our mind around it but before we do it let me go ahead and pray and, and calm my nerves Lord thank you again for just the wonderful opportunity to um, stand for this class. Thank you for them. Just thank you for the great work that Joel and Lauren do in this in this ministry. Lord, I ask you to continue to bless it, Lord, not just here on Sundays, but if you think of all the activities on university campuses and things that are sort of extensions of this ministry here, Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless and just expand it and create connections that are needed there. And Lord, we're just thankful for what you've done already and help me <clears throat> this morning um, to, to get across what you would uh, what's most important as we consider you in Jesus' name, Amen. Omniscience, like I said, is a big word, big big word. My background, I've talked a little bit, is technology. That's when I came out of school. I've been in technology for 30 years, so I'm on the backside of my career. But that's what I've been doing for 30 years. It has changed a lot, um, changed a whole lot. When when I started, people didn't carry cards in their pocket to pay for things. And when you needed money or you need to put money in your account, you went to the bank. Um, and if you wanted to give somebody money, you either handed them cash or you wrote them a check. So it was a, it was a different world. And I got to witness all of that transformation and got to be part of, of doing a lot of that all now to where you don't even go to the bank unless it's something very special 
or if you go swipe a card at a register, you can actually see it adjust on your bank account instantly. There's a lot of tech behind that. And then I switched to healthcare. And for the last seven, eight years, I've been in healthcare. And I've seen a, a, a system to where if you go to the doctor, you may get a bill in a month, okay? But now, so much going on to the point that not only is there there's so much more automation behind it, but now we're using technology to, to predict certain health outcomes and be able to get ahead of some stuff with people that before that before things get too late. So technology is is wonderful. Um, and when I was in university, we did artificial intelligence. We had classes to teach you artificial intelligence, but artificial intelligence for us was making software that could learn how to beat you at checkers, that it would learn. Now it's sort of spooky what you see, but it's the same concepts behind it. But your generation is now getting to see stuff that almost it appears omniscient. It, it's, it's reached the point, and it's really not. If, I mean, if you pull up the hood, what they've really done is they've used mathematical models to copy how the human brain works. So all they did was copy what God did in your brain. But I've got a friend who will call me all the time, and he just gets so upset. He's like, how did my phone know this to show this to me, like some ad? He's like, it's listening to me, or he thinks some, some big conspiracy. So it's all, I mean, it's getting to the point that it's just, I don't know how it does that. And as cool as that looks, um, it's not omniscience, okay? It's not omniscience. Um, no matter how advanced it becomes, we're never going to have the ability to clearly understand each other's hearts. We're just not. Um, we're, we're not God. We don't have his brain. Um, his mind is not like ours. His mind is unlimited. He knows everything about each one of us. He knows our thoughts. He knows the intentions behind our actions. He's not like us where we see somebody's action and we assume he knows the intentions that were behind it. So more concisely, that's what we mean when we say he's omniscient. Omni, sort of like complete all, the, the shint part of it is where we get the word science. His knowledge means he has all comprehensive knowledge. He understands everything, it's full breadth and depth of it. And this is clearly illustrated here in John chapter 1, um, starting there in verse 43. Um, and this, this event that it's documented is when Christ, in the very earliest days of Christ's ministry. So John chapter 1 introduces us to Christ, talks about the baptism, his baptism by John the Baptist. And then the next couple of days afterwards, it talks about his earliest disciples, Andrew and Peter. And then we see here in verse 43, it says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And Philip would, would become his disciple. And he saith unto him, Follow me. So Christ has told Philip to follow him. Um, this was not a small request. Following Christ meant not just believing who he was, but it meant sort of turning away from any other kind of belief. And, and, and so it was a commitment. It's not just believing something, but it stopped believing something else. And Philip did that. And just like any true follower of Christ should do, after Philip began to follow him, he went to go tell others, and particularly his friend, Nathaniel. So we hear, see here in John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, we have found him. We have found him. So what we're going to look at this morning is the next few verses 
with Nathaniel and how he went from being very skeptical about Christ to being convinced to the point that he himself became a disciple of, of Christ. Um, from the, so he was there from the very beginning of his ministry. So let's first look here at Nathaniel's outlook. Nathaniel's outlook. In verse 45 and 46, Philip findeth Nathaniel, saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses is in the law, and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, they went, if you want one of those, they got them on the back table of the, the handouts they had. If you didn't get a handout, we do have some um, that are prepared to the lesson series. It'll help you follow along. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. I'm just going to go off on a tangent here just real quick at the beginning. It's interesting to note that when Philip began to talk to Nathaniel about Christ, he actually referenced Scripture. And that's something we should always do when we're trying to, to tell others about Christ, to make sure we're anchoring it in God's Word, not just our opinions. Um, Isaiah 55, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent. This is... No matter how eloquent you can speak, no matter how smart you think you are and that you can prove whatever you can argue to a fence post, it doesn't mean anything spiritually. You have to anchor it in God's Word. So this is a, this is a good reminder here, the example that we see, we see of there Philip. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts, so we know it has an impact. But regardless, Nathaniel immediately did not accept what Philip was telling him. So he was, he, was, he was quite cautious and skeptical. And so we see here, first of all, Nathaniel was cautious regarding Scripture. Cautious regarding Scripture. I actually applaud Nathaniel for um, his initial caution because a lot of people are too quick just, just accept what somebody else says or um, they'll give their personal experience, and your personal experience is great. It's your testimony, okay, but not anchored in God's Word or not anchored in Christ. It's worthless, okay? It's technically your opinion is all, all that is. So Nathaniel was very, very um, cautious about this. And, and although Philip actually believed that Jesus was the Old Testament, fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, Nathaniel wasn't convinced of that. And we shouldn't be shocked, even Jesus himself, when he was trying to tell others who he was, people just didn't automatically assume he was the Savior. Okay? Even he himself had this struggle. John chapter 5 tells us, For he, had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me, but if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Okay? So Jesus knew that. Um, so Luke chapter 24 talks about him expounding um, unto others. How, where he fit in Scripture. So not only is Nathaniel cautious regarding Scripture, he's actually pretty calloused regarding Nazareth. And this is a famous line um, that, that's in Scripture. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? So Nathaniel's hearing Philip and he's saying, okay, you said this guy's the Savior and he's from Nazareth. I'm not buying it. Okay, Why is that? Well, there were sort of some preconceived ideas about Nazareth, it, it wasn't a place of significance. So you were, if you were in religious circles in Israel at that time, if you had heard of Nazareth, you'd be like, eh, 
There's, there's nothing good coming out of there. There's, there's no spiritual leadership. There probably wasn't a, a, a school there. There probably wasn't a really well-known rabbi. There's probably nothing there for him to think that, you would, that, you, that that would be the place where such a significant person would come. Um, but Philip didn't try to argue with Nathaniel. He didn't try to just get into a debate, and, and I'm, I'm wired that way too, and I think some of you are. He just didn't just start pounding Nathaniel with words. I love his response there. He said, come and see. You don't believe it? Come with me. We're going to go talk to this guy, and that's what happens. So I think when we witness to people, um, and especially when they get cynical at first, that we need to invite them to see what Christ has done in the lives of others. Try to bring them with you to church. Try to bring them to events. Try to get them to where they can see the impact themselves. And then this leads us into the Savior's omniscience, the next major point in your outline there. The Savior's omniscience. Let's look at verse 47 and 48. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, whence, thou, now, whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Really um, rattling response, I would say, for Nathanael. There was a, in 2007, okay, this is a long time ago, uh, there was... Uh, there was a writer in the New York Times named Thomas Friedman. He wrote this, talked about the whole world is watching. He said, when everyone has a cell phone with a camera in it, everyone is a paparazzi. When everyone can upload videos on YouTube, everyone is a filmmaker. When it, so when everyone's a publisher, a paparazzi, and a filmmaker, everyone else is a public figure. And that's the world that, that you are experiencing Nobody truly has privacy anymore. Somebody can film you. They can, they can monitor your activities. I mean, so much of what we do is electronic. Somebody's watching you, okay? Maybe in the government, if that, wants to, if that unsettles you a little bit. But as Christians, we've always known that somebody is always aware of what we're doing. Because as a believer... And when you understand who God is and His ability, you know, oh, well, He knows everything that I'm doing. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You see, Christ knows the heart of man. You see there in verse 47, he said, and said when Nathaniel came, he said, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Jesus Christ had the ability to not just physically see Nathaniel with his eyes, he could perceive what was in his heart. And he knew that Nathaniel was spiritually lost. He was an unbeliever, but he was sincere. This guy was looking for the truth. He sincerely wanted to know if this was the Savior. God knows more about us than we know about ourselves. His knowledge has no limits. That includes his knowledge of you. You can't hide anything from him. What you did last night, what you did the night before, what you said, what you looked at on the internet, whatever. You can't hide any of that stuff. What you thought on your way driving to church this morning. God knows all of that stuff. If you're carrying heavy burdens, Christ knows that. No matter what you're facing, you may feel like 
nobody else understands. I can't tell anybody else about it. He understands all of that. He lo and he loved you enough to want to help carry those burdens for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you're carrying a heavy load, those words are sweet. And sometimes there's stuff going on that you just can't talk about. But he knows and he understands because he's omniscient. He has all knowledge. So not only does he know the heart of man, he also knows the location of man. Notice there in verse 48, um, Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. So Jesus not only knew Nathanael's heart, he knew where he was at. He wasn't physical. It's not like he looked over and could see him. He wasn't in his line of sight. And Christ knew where he was standing when this conversation had been taking place before. Christ knows when you're under the fig tree or wherever, and he knows what you're thinking while you are there. He's omniscient. Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Now, this got Nathaniel's attention. You imagine you've walked up and somebody who claims to be Christ and then suddenly they're telling you things that there's no way that a normal human could have shared. So that got Nathaniel's attention. It gave him the opportunity to actually respond to what Christ was doing. Gave him, and this is where we get to the sinner's opportunity. So you see here in verse 49 through 51, Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So even though Nathaniel here is a good man who's seeking the truth, he was still a sinner like the rest of us. Okay? Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5, those verses applied to him just like us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore is by one man sinned into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So Nathaniel was a sinner, but now he had an opportunity to respond to Christ. And the opportunity he had was first to profess his faith. Notice verse 49. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. It didn't, take, it didn't it hit Nathanael immediately. He understood that this man standing before him had omniscience, had knowledge that was only possible if he was God. He didn't delay. He immediately knew this guy's the real deal, and he said, Thou art the Son of God. No one becomes a Christian. No one becomes a believer. No one can accept Christ and go to heaven if they don't first 
understand and accept that Christ is God, that he's a deity. That's, that's baseline. That's fundamental. And sometimes people will take Christians and Muslims and lump them together, but Muslims do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They will tell you God had no son. So they will up front tell you, I reject that Jesus Christ is a deity. That's a disqualifier. If you don't get that right, then how can you accept that he had the ability to die and pay for, the, pay for your sins and be risen again and that he's still alive? You, you can't accept that. So that's sort of baseline acceptance there. John chapter 20, Thomas, whenever Christ came and Christ allowed him to, to touch his uh, side and he was able to see that he was resurrected, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. This is the same thing. There's a realization that occurred with Nathaniel where it's like, oh, wow, this is real. This guy is real. Now, what do I do because of that? And if you've never had that, of that time in your life, if you've never had that event to where this whole playing church and us dress, I mean, there, we do a lot of stuff in the name of church and religion, okay? But if you've never had that moment to where you, it just hits you, this is all real. There is a God. There is an eternity. I do have a soul that's going to live somewhere forever. There is such a thing as sin. Until all of that has hit you, you're, you're not going to get it. Nathaniel, it hit him like a weight. This guy is the Son of God. And also, not only did he call him the Son of God, notice he said, Thou art the King of Israel. Now, that was a pretty serious thing, because you've got to realize the Romans were in control here. They weren't going to be excited about somebody declaring themselves to be the king of Israel, because they were the, the authority. So not only did Nathaniel realize this guy's God, now he's realizing, oh, he's got higher authority than the Romans. This, this is the guy's the king of Israel. And all of those verses probably began to flood Nathaniel's mind. Okay? You've got Jeremiah chapter 23, Zephaniah chapter 3, all of these verses talking about that there would be a descendant of David that would sit on the throne, that he would inherit that throne. Um, all of this is flooding in. So Nathaniel professes his faith in Christ. And because of that, he was able to have an opportunity to possess eternal life. I love the phrase there John, in, in verse 50 51 where he said, thou shalt see greater things than these. God's sort of showing out with Nathaniel. He, he used the approach, he showed off his omniscience with him to get his attention. And then he's like, are you impressed by that? Thou shalt see greater things. He's like, buckle your seatbelt, buddy. You, you, you're gonna follow me, you're gonna see some, some greater things. Um, after this conversation occurred, of course, Nathaniel and uh, Philip and Andrew and Peter, they. They were, it appears to be the first four disciples. They began to follow him, and Christ would perform at least 37 more miracles during his ministry in Canaan. Um, and Nathaniel would have been a witness to, to most, if not all, of those. But the greatest miracle of all was that substitutionary death of Christ on the cross. And that's where he would pay for our sins, that he would make a way for us to have eternal life and to be with him. That's why in John 14, 6, Christ could say, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. So Nathaniel began to, he understood later on what all of this meant. Not as he just a king 
Because I'm sure Nathaniel was like, this guy's here to sort of fix everything. We're going to go put him on a throne and we're going to kick the Romans out and this is all going to be fixed. But I think later on Nathaniel began to hear more and more about why Christ really did come. He didn't come to kick the Romans out. He came for something much bigger, which was to, which was to create a way for us um, to be with God and to be reconciled. So we see here, the Lord know he knew what Nathaniel was thinking, and he knows what we are thinking. He knows what philosophies are spinning around in your head this morning, and we've all got them. You hear stuff, you're raised a certain way. You've got some worldview, some perspective about how things work, some philosophy, some whatever. He knows all that stuff that's swirling around your head, all of those voices that have been in there. And he wants you to step away from all of that. And he wants you to put your faith in him, okay, and for the salvation of your soul. He knows what sins you've been hiding. He knows about the things that you've done that others know nothing about. He knows about all that stuff. And he wants to help you and I get victory over those sins. He also knows about your circumstances, what's going on in your life, and he wants to help carry that burden for you. But you're only going to be able to have access to that when you place your faith and trust in him. When, and you, when you think that he truly is omniscient, that he knows, your guard comes down. And then you're, then you're more willing to ask him to help and participate in your life. And if you're here, I don't, I don't, some of you I don't know at all, but if you're here and you're contemplating Christ, do I really buy into this whole thing here? Okay, Like Nathaniel, you're thinking about accepting him. I encourage you, don't delay. Don't delay. Just as Nathaniel did, immediately respond okay, in faith, um, church, religion, me, there's no, 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 no person other than Jesus Christ that can give you access to that. In First Timothy chapter 2, and we'll finish with this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Consider his omniscience omniscience. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you again for your word, Lord. Just thank you for um, revealing to us your ability to know everything about us, Lord. And, and although you know everything about us, Lord, you still love us. You still want to help us. You still want to encourage us, Lord. And thank you for that. We don't deserve it. Um, but Lord, thank you so much for that, for that um, love and for that access to that ability, Lord. And I pray that you would just give us the strength and the courage to, do, to respond the way that we should. And Lord, help the services today. I pray you continue to speak to our hearts as you've spoken to mine. And um, thank you for um, your patience, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. Thank you all for coming today. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.